Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, you probably didn't think you are going to hear from me today, but I got it all worked out, brought the gear with me, got an opportunity to sit down and record a show for you today. I don't know how long we go. Maybe we go the full 90. We'll just kind of see how things go. Uh, but uh, good to be with you and uh, good to be able to celebrate Maroon Friday as we choose in the wonderful country in which we live. Which reminds me, too, I get these reports all the time about, uh, you know, you know the, the hot sheet, right? Where everybody is uh, listening to the show and that sort of stuff. Uh, guys, we get an incredible amount of saturation from other countries. And uh, I, I say that as I turn you guys up a little bit. Because... Uh, it's amazing to me that people all over the world listen to the show. I know they're Mississippi State fans, and uh, I got a message a while back I wanted to share with you that, uh, you know, it kind of makes all this seem so much more worthwhile to me. Um, had a, a, a young man that messaged me from uh, South Mississippi and said that, uh, you know, he's stationed overseas in the military. And uh, he said that he loves the show, and one of the things he loves most about the show is he gets together with a couple of his buddies that are fans of other SEC schools, and they listen to podcasts, especially as it gets closer to college football season. And they just kind of have a guy's night, right? They sit around, have a beer or two, whatever, whatever they do, right? And uh, they talk about you know, college football, and uh, they listen to podcasts from LSU and listen to this podcast, and it's become kind of their nightly ritual, and uh, the bottom line is it said, hey, Steve, thanks for uh, giving me a little bit of home, a little bit of Mississippi, and so I don't say it enough, but uh, for those of you that are in the military that are doing a job that I would never want to do, and just be quite honest with you, I had the opportunity to do it like all other young men elected to pass on it, and uh, a lot of people doing a job out there, a very dangerous job, a job that requires them to be away from their families an awful lot and be in harm's way, and we appreciate you. We appreciate those who love you. They're kind of holding it down for you while you're gone, but uh, have a tremendous amount of respect for our military families, and, and so much of it is because of the fact that there's, you know, such a, there's such a demand around the world you know, for the world police and things like that. And there's so many people that end up in places they never thought they'd be doing the job they never thought they'd have. And so I'm grateful for just a few short minutes over the course of your week that I can do something to remind you that uh, what you're fighting for is worthwhile. So thanks so much to all of our military uh, men and women and their families around the world. Right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, and I'm a longtime patron of their services. Bulldog Burger Company, what an amazing place to have a night out with friends, a night out with family, perhaps a business luncheon, whatever you want to do. They can accommodate you. It's one of the best places to go because the service, superior. The quality of food, superior. The experience itself, absolutely elite. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the rich and flowwood area. You know, you got to go get those spring rolls, man. It's part of our self-care routine, right? Works as well as anything. 
and it's proven. It's in writing. The spring rolls make you better looking. Get that chocolate shake to go. Again, I'm kind of partial to the Nutella shake. Maybe I'm behind the curve, but I like it. I like what I like. You do too. And you're going to love Bulldog Burger Company. The place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, guys. Uh, Two weeks. Can we make it? We're almost there, kids. Can we get it done? Reminder to all of you procrastinating husbands out there. Get your honeydew stuff done. It's been you know, the summer's come along. You're like, oh, I've had this going on. No, get it done. Number one, you want to be in good favor with the wife, right, or the significant other, or whatever you call them these days. But the person that you love and that you share life with, you want to be in good graces. You don't want to lay around watching football on Saturday, kind of getting that evil eye, and also too, kind of feeling guilty yourself, thinking, you know what, I should have already done that. Get it done. You got two weeks. This is your two-week warning to get those things done because we're going to enjoy college football season, kids. We're going to enjoy it. We're not going to uh, apologize for it. We haven't had a lot to cheer for in a long time this year, right? Let's just just kind of say it for what it is. You know, being a Mississippi State fan this past academic year was kind of up and down. It was. It didn't end the way we wanted it to. You know, softball nor baseball kind of had the, the seasons we were hoping for. There's always next year, right? Used to be the uh, Mississippi State sports slogan of choice. There's always next year. Uh, but, you know, we had, we had a really good football year. Both basketball teams made the tournament, but it's been a while, right? I mean, you know, it's like an if you're like me and you love Mississippi State, like you constantly feel the need to be in defense, right, of the Bulldogs. It's nice when they give us some ammunition to work with, and I think we're going to have plenty this year. And uh, those of you that heard, I was on the uh, Mac and Cube show with uh, Greg McElroy and um, Cole Kublik earlier this week. Appreciate those guys having me on. And uh, a chance for me to just kind of break some things down. And people say, well, Steve, I hope you set them straight. I just tell the truth. I don't, I don't go on these shows looking to be argumentative, but uh, I don't let people paint a false narrative without a response from me. They did attempt to do that, and uh, I... Enjoyed being on the show. I've been on Cole's show a few times. Uh, it's always nice to have the opportunity to spread the Bulldog message, perhaps uh, you know, to some radio stations around the South that don't always get the real story. Uh, and speaking of the real story, you can go to jeanspage.com right now and uh, read Zach Arnett's comments from yesterday. I want to go over some of that uh, before we get into the top 10 list. And of course, uh, you know, we've got our final SEC preview of the preseason this week. And uh, we'll knock that down today. It's Vanderbilt today. I know you're excited about that. I know that our old Miss listeners will listen with bated breath. Uh, but, yeah, Zach, see, here's the thing that I love about the Arnett press conference, okay? Zach is not the most polished speaker when it comes to maybe tact, right? He is very articulate. He's a guy that communicates his point very well, but he also has just enough of an edge that uh, I, I admire. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes somebody will ask a silly question, and he's not a jerk to him, but at the same time, too, he doesn't just gloss over it and kind of entertain the question. Uh, you know, I, I, won't, I don't want to shame anybody. Uh, a lot of these people are much younger and less experienced than I am. Not that I don't make a mistake every once in a while, too. Like the other day, Tony Hughes steps up, and I forgot he was coaching running backs. You know, had a brain fart. It happens to the best of us. 
it's like, you know, somebody says, hey, you know, what's it like to have Will Rogers back with three years of experience under his belt? Well, what do you expect him to say? Oh, it sucks. It's a very obvious question. I know a lot of times people just want to get, you know, a coach kind of talking about a player to get a quote for a feature or whatever. But it's like, wait, what do you think? I mean, like we only get a handful of these opportunities. Let's not waste the coach's time and our time with the, the more obvious questions. I mean, you guys, listen, the whole point of this is we as members of the media are there as your advocates to ask the questions that are important to you and to allow you to, to get more insight about your favorite team. You know, it's not just, hey, I'm, I'm just coming up here to hang out with a coach. You know, look at me. Let me get a selfie. That's not that's not the point. I, and I take that advocacy, if I can spit it out here, I'm just going to move on from it. Because I'm, I'm going to mess it up again. I'm going to become a joke. But uh, I enjoy being your advocate. How about that? Advocacy. There we go. Um, I'm there as your representative. And that's the way that I look at it. And uh, I consider all of our subscribers and all of our listeners and all of our followers on social media, uh, I am very grateful that they depend on us to be their eyes and ears. And so when I show up and I ask questions, I, I just think, you know, hey, I, I peruse the board, kind of keep up with the conversation of what's happening over there. What are our people asking about? What am I asking about? Right? What am I curious about? Because I figure if I'm curious about it and I'm around it all the time, then you will be too. And so we try to get you an answer. And I think Zach does a great job of answering questions in a way that doesn't come off as coach speak. And that's very refreshing. Again, not to be critical of other coaches, but we've had some coaches in the past that their answers were basically non-answers. I appreciate and respect the fact that Zach Arnett will answer every question. And sometimes... You get a bit of a terse response because you ask a stupid question. It's not like Leach. You know, you weren't going to go viral. You know, Le- Leach is a guy that would absolutely take you there. You know, if you you ask a silly question, he'll tell you it's a silly question. Uh, Zach just kind of has this uh, smirk at times. Uh, but, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that Arnett um, is real, right? There's so many of these polished heads talking heads out here and their pretty boys and polo shirts with their manicured hair and things like that i mean it's just i don't know that stuff we talk about people being easily offended i i can't stand people that want to insult our intelligence you know and i don't think i never get that with zach zach's a very intelligent guy but uh i think it's interesting that uh, Zach has conversations with us like it's not even a press conference. And what I mean by that is, it's like he doesn't walk in there with these prepared talking points, and no matter what you ask, he's just going to talk over and say what he wants to say. He could do that in his opening statement if he chose to. But the uh, reality of it is, is it's very conversational with him. And uh, we've had some questions you know, about starters, and I want to spend some time talking about this. Uh, we had somebody the other day said, hey, has Will Rogers been officially named the starter? Well, he hadn't until yesterday. But it's, you know, it's kind of like, hey, is the sun going to come up tomorrow? Well, well, yeah. I mean, Will is the guy. And there are a lot of people that already know this, and they put this stuff out there basically as marketing, right? You know, the the unveiling, you know, of the, the starter. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for us to do that. You know, we have the most experienced, the most prolific starter in the Southeastern Conference, so now there's no point in that. Uh, but uh, when asked yesterday about 
you know, the starting lineup, right? Uh, he says, uh, we still got a ways there. I mean, some of the returning positions, I can tell you, Bookie Watson's going to be a starter. Yeah. I can tell you that pretty good. I can tell you Jaden Crumity. I can tell you Will Rogers, Woody Marks, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a big part of it, right? That's uh, the thing about us having an experienced roster and guys that uh, understand their jobs, understand what's required of them, is one of the reasons that people like myself are a little bit bully on the season. We, we're expecting a good year because of this level of experience. Old wins, experienced wins. Now, there are some exceptions, obviously. I mean, you know, when Leonard Fournette showed up at LSU, he wasn't old, he wasn't experienced, he was super talented. But by and large, you want to be the mature, experienced roster. You know, Johnny Manziel wasn't especially experienced either, you know, when he showed up at College Station. But my point being is that those are kind of players that transcend, you know, class or experience or just they're specialized athletes. Uh, Dakota Jordan. There's a reason Dakota Jordan started this year at Mississippi State much of the year. He was one of the more talented players. So I, I don't believe that you have to be loyal to a fault to experienced players. But when your best players are also your most experienced players, you're in a really good position. And that's the position Mississippi State finds itself in. To continue, some of those battles you've got to know, but the other ones, they'll play out all through the mock week. Yeah, so the mock week is this next week. It begins, at, like matter of fact, today is the, or this weekend is the last, today I guess is the last media viewing opportunity of practice uh, for a while. Uh, we'll be done with camp. And, of course, I'm in Knoxville. Uh, so, you know, Dave Murray, uh, Paul, those guys will hold it down for us today. And then we're going to get into mock week. And uh, that was something that Leach implemented when he was here. And it's basically a dress rehearsal. They're going to go through game week this week. Everything. Everything they do, it's a dry, it's a, a dry run for everybody. The support staff, everybody. Because once we get into game week, you know, we don't want to be figuring things out. And it's like, oh, well, who's taking care of this? You get all that knocked out this coming week. And then next week, we're into preparations for southeastern Louisiana. And so uh, the rest of that story about the mock week is uh, basically what happens now is we're going to take everybody that we is expect to be on the scout team. They're going to begin preparing to run a good scout next week. They'll probably do some of that this week. But you'll see a division of the roster in many respects. The guys that we expect to play will continue to get the reps and a bigger share of them because of the fact we're getting ready to play a game. But we'll still do our little, uh, you know, week, our Sunday night football or Friday night football, or however Zach wants to do it this year, where the young guys get out there and play um, and to get film and tape on them and see how they're retaining, you know, what's been shared with them as far as, you know, schematic responsibilities and things like that. But we're about to ramp up and we're not going to waste a rep on a guy that's not going to play against Southeastern. Now, there's always some ebb and flow with that. You know, we get a guy that's injured. You get a guy that's a little bit banged up. We got to still facilitate practice. So you may have a guy get called up, you know, from the practice squad, you know, from the scout team uh, to practice with the varsity. But there are a lot of guys that you've been hearing about in practice showing flashes that uh, are going to be depth pieces. So they're going to make that move over to the scout team. 
Nobody really wants to be on a scout team, but it's a necessary part of the college football experience. And those guys do an invaluable job to help prepare your team for that week. I remember a couple times, uh, you know, uh, under Mullen and a couple times under Leach where he referenced what a good scout they got that week. You know, a lot of it's because, again, you know, guys are trying to earn a job. And most guys show up not expecting to play as true freshmen. They want to play. They don't expect to play. And this is a chance for them to continue to kind of sharpen a saw a little bit and have an opportunity uh, to show the coaches what they can do, and not to mention to get better. You know, reps make you better. The more reps you run, traditionally the better you get, as long as you're running good reps and you're getting good instruction. But the other guys that are going to be with the varsity – they're expected to play. And, again, there are some guys that uh, are still in contention for a spot in the starting lineup. And you got to begin to ask yourself, okay, so where do we go from here, right? Uh, there are a couple of battles that we're, we're kind of keeping our eyes on. And, and I think, for the most part, the offense is set. I think Ryland Goday and uh, Spivey both are kind of 1A and 1B at tight end. Uh, Antonio Harmon is a guy we expect, uh, especially in third downs. Uh, to be a guy that uh, creates a bit of a, a mismatch against whatever defense they want to roll out there. I mean, that's a big physical guy, for sure. I believe he's found his, uh, his niche there. And uh, I will also say, too, because I, I really have no shame, I told you so. I told you so. Way back when... And there were people on Twitter that got upset with me for being honest about this. So Steve, don't say he's going to be a tight end. He wants to play wide receiver. Well, you know, I'd rather – I'd rather, number one, it's not my place, right, to tell that kid that. Number two, I'm going to call it as I see it, and I think this guy is a spread flex tight end all the way. I think he can play football a long time as a flex tight end. I don't think he's a guy that's going to have the foot speed to be an X receiver on the next level. I said that then – criticized for it, so I'm going to come back now and tell you, I told you so. And now I think Antonio Harmon is a guy now that's going to be a real weapon in this offense. Absolutely do. Love the kid, love his work ethic, love his ability to catch football, and I think we're putting him in a position to be successful. And there's some other guys down the depth chart, but I think by and large, we go with a three-tight set, which is kind of a rarity, but if we do, it'll be go day. Spivey, Harmon, with rare exception. And, again, I think think Harmon's going to be a guy that uh, – no, I miss it, Harvey. I meant Harmon. Uh, Harmon is going to be a guy that I think is going to really – I won't say that he's going to carry this, this team, but I think he's going to be a playmaker for us. I think he is a guy that will have some opportunities to do some things this year. And, and maybe he's a forgotten man on his team, but I, I'm expecting him to have a good year. In addition to that, again, I think completely offense is set. I think we know how the offensive line is going to run. I think we know what to expect at wide receiver. Of course, there's going to be some ebb and flow at times at wide receiver. We're going to rotate a lot. Uh, Jordan Mosley is a guy that you guys don't know a ton about. You're going to see a lot more of him this year. You know, Justin Robinson's a guy that uh, known commodity. Tulu Griffin. Uh, it's a guy that people are already somewhat fearful of, recently named uh, preseason All-American. A lot of people know him as a return guy, so they kick away from him. And I think, again, he's been underutilized. And I think we all see that. 
But don't look, don't be surprised at the middle of the year if everybody in the SEC is like, this is Tula Griffin cat, Tula Griffin. I'm telling you, he and Woody Marks, I think, really, really, really benefit from this change in philosophy and from Chad Bumpus getting a job as far in relation to Tulu because, of the fact, uh, I think Chad's going to put him in his natural position. And if anybody knows how to play slot receiver at Mississippi State University, it's Chad Bumpus. I'm eager to see what Chad and, and uh, Tulu come, kind of come up with this year in this new brand of offense. The defensive side of the football, uh, our depth on the defensive line, I think, has proven to be better than maybe some people anticipated. Uh, and I think, again, getting Eric Taylor is a big part of that, too. You know, former LSU Tiger by way of Southwest Mississippi Community College. That was a big get for us. I don't know that we celebrated that enough. I mean, that's a very, very accomplished guy on the high school level. Uh, guy that had All-American designation. And he goes to LSU, doesn't pan out, and then we get him. And now he's here. He's the same guy. I mean, like the trajectory of his career is still there. He just had to take a bit of a detour. And so I, I say that because I think some people right now, our fans are thinking, I don't know. I don't know what to think. Well, let me tell you, Eric Taylor is a dude. Uh, absolutely is a dude. And uh, will do a great job for us, provided he stays healthy. This is a guy with NFL potential. And then we've had flashes from Deontay Anderson. You know, this is a guy, again, who was an All-American out of high school. Redshirted, played a little bit last year. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Sean Ferguson thing, even though Sean played earlier in his career. David Turner is not scared to give a young guy a chance, and I think that's what you're seeing with Deontay Anderson. Deontay Russell is coming on, and I understand he's having the best camp of his Bulldog career right now. So those two will kind of work kind of hand in hand. But I think when you look at the defensive front, I think we know how it's going to line up on snap number one. And I think we now have some uh, very able-bodied and capable defenders to provide some depth on the two deep. And we'll see how things go. Uh, Eager to kind of see what happens at uh, weeks at linebacker. Eager to kind of see what shakes out there, how that depth chart kind of folds. Again, I I think in the end, it's the three backers are going to be J.P. Purvis, Buki, and Jet. I think. But, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, um, Obviously, you want Jet and Buki out there as much as they, they can be effective and maintain some level of stamina because they're your most prolific players defensively. I need those guys out there. Uh, and I think, obviously, everybody knows DeCamerion Richardson is going to start. The opposite side, that, that battle is going to boil down to Furge and DeCarlos. Uh, of the two, I think DeCarlos probably has the advantage physically. Furge clearly has the advantage from an experience standpoint. And he's been kind of up and down at times. He always plays hard. Uh, but he's a guy, too, that um, you know, kind of picked on at times, too. You know, um, again, DeCarlos, with that great length and catch radius, he's still learning the nuances of the position, but he's probably the better athlete and the better fit for the McBath experience. But again, Furge is just one of those guys that uh, is just a solid player that continues to show up and, and do a good job. And it's amazing to me, Asias Furge attended my combine in Clarksdale years ago, and he's still playing college football. Still here at Mississippi State. I remember when we committed him, I was like, you know what? Okay, I kind of get it. Kind of get it. And uh, every year, uh, people are like, oh, he's probably going to hit the portal. He never has. Never has. He and Austin Williams may, may have attended more uh, more practices than anybody in the history of the program when it's all said and done. 
But yeah, Ferg is going to have a role. I think maybe Ferg starts snap one, but I won't be surprised if DeCarlos Nicholson gets more of the snaps. And I think in the end, I think Ferg is probably a two deeper. I think Nicholson, just because of the fact that he has a little more athleticism, a little more size, just needs a little grooming, right? Just needs some experience out there, kind of taking on you know, FBS receivers. I think you kind of ramp him up a little bit slowly. And I think in the end, um, won't be the least bit surprised if we go into SEC play with DeCarlos on one side and uh, DeCam on the other. Not to say that Ferg's not going to play a lot. He is. And he's happy to play whatever role we need him to. But I think in the end, DeCarlos is going to win the job. I think when you look back at snaps played and tackles recorded at the end of the year, I think DeCarlos will be ahead of Ferg. Uh, the safety thing, Jacoby Albert, again, that's a name we continue to hear. And, of course, State's having to replace, uh, you know, three safeties. Uh, to me, the biggest loss is uh, is Jackie Matthews. And uh, I may be in the minority there, but that's a guy that knew how to play number one on the back end, but did a great job coming up and playing a very physical brand of football against the run. This is a guy that brought the wood. I wish he'd have come back. I really do. I know everybody has NFL dreams. Uh, and so Jackie chose to pursue those and went undrafted, but uh, would love to have had him back. But all that said, we have the athletes to put this thing together in a secondary. But that safety group, again, it's just, uh, you know, I, I, what I worry the most about is not, hey, can we put three frontline safeties out there and feel good about that? Yes, absolutely. What happens when somebody gets a little bit banged up, though? I mean, you feel good about banks and bulldog safety. I don't know if there's going to be anybody in the country doing a better job covering slot receivers better than Marcus Banks. This kid's legit. Absolutely is. One of the fastest players on the team. I'd love to see him and Tulu on a foot race. Really, really fast. Really, really quick. Has good instincts. Uh, there's a reason Alabama signed him in the first place. Then you begin to factor in Sean Preston. Really more of a run stopper. Can play the deep third a little bit. Um, a bit inconsistent at times in coverage. Jacoby Alberts, a guy obviously that uh, was very highly recruited, went to Kentucky, and, and you know we we get him, get him closer to home. And I think that he's a guy too that uh, has flashed enough that you guys should expect to see him. And the question then becomes, okay, what what happens on the second team? That's really the issue. And we have talked about safeties, you know, since the end of uh, spring practice. This is something we're going to have to watch. And so they'll settle that. I think they're close. And uh, to hear Zach talk about it, and I think sometimes he talks to his team, to the media, is let's just kind of see how things go. And I think you got to keep people hungry. you got to have guys that continue continue to, uh, to work. And I mean, nobody is, is uh, promised anything at this point. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, to, a few more comments of Barnett. They asked him basically about – you know, the position battles themselves, if he's enjoyed watching those play out. He goes, I don't know. Everybody talks about the Sam linebacker position, right? But I've highlighted that, that some different defensive ends have flashed some uh, some stuff where they maybe even have us considering whether playing with a full-time Sam is the right move. And that's talking about you know, going to the four-man fronts. Um, we've got a whole lot of combinations being played at safety and cornerback. There's more on the defensive side than the offensive side, speaking of uh, – battles because they're less returning guys. Um, so it's been good to see. I don't think we're playing a high quality of defense all the time, so you throw in a new combination and see if they can do any better. 
Uh, and that's kind of where we are. I think we all kind of see it the same way, right? Uh, you got to sell the sign linebacker position. You got to find a suitable replacement uh, behind Jet. You got to find a good two deeper because you know Jet's going to go out there at, at weak side backer and do the best he can do. Um, and and the same thing with with Buki. You know, you've got to be able to find some quality depth behind them. You know, Deshaun Page obviously is a guy that has played uh, multiple spots within the defense on at the linebacker room, and so. I think he is a guy, obviously, that could factor in at either of those spots. And that's a guy that's played a lot of SEC football. So you feel good about, you know, kind of rounding into shape here. Uh, And you feel like there are some guys, too, some younger guys uh, at corner. Like, we haven't talked a lot about Radar Jones or Kamari Rogers. And, of course, Radar did not uh, go through spring practice. But those two guys are very, very talented and were highly recruited. They just need some reps. You know, and and, uh, Kamari, of course, missed most of last season – uh, recovering from another ACL injury. But uh, when you start working through this, the pieces are there. It's just a matter of us kind of, you know, meshing things together and finding the right direction. Uh, but uh, we're going to have to defend in a deep third. And I think it's one of the things that maybe helps you a little bit too is you realize you've got this blitz-happy scheme and maybe that kind of prevents people from uh, really testing uh, those safeties over the top as much as they ordinarily would. And so, you know, that's – a big aspect of it, too. We talk about that all the time. Uh, you know, the best way to uh, cover up a leaky secondary is to have a great pass rush, and we, and we expect to do that. But uh, but there are going to be times when they're able to protect, and we're going to have to defend. And it's not like we're pulling kids out of the student section to go play safety. I mean, these guys are going through practice every day. They're getting better, you know. But, again, you know, my biggest concern all the way through is, uh, you know, Coach Dewhurst, his first time on the field – is a full-time assistant coach at Mississippi State. Yes, he was in the room last year as a QC guy, and uh, he knows exactly what Zach Arnett wants. But then you throw him in a position where he's having to replace three starters. You're asking an awful lot. I mean, you are. The good thing is we hit the portal hard and went and got some some pieces that we think can play. Uh, you know, Morant is a guy, obviously, that was on the team last year from Michigan. Uh, he's a guy, obviously, that could, could factor in at times. You know, Chris Key's a guy that factors in at times. And so it's not like we just said, hey, coach, here, here's the keys of the car. You know, have her home by 10. You know, uh, we went out and got, tried to get some pieces out there. But, again, that's the group we have talked about the entire year as uh, needing some some real TLC. And uh, we'll see how things go. But um, I think when you look back middle of the year, if this defense is playing up to potential – I think a lot of it's going to be because of the job that Coach Duhart and his group did. Because if these safeties can protect, and these safeties can help plug in the run, I don't think you're just going to have a great defense. I think you have the potential to have an elite defense when you think about especially the guys in the first two levels of defense. But we've got to be able to get after the quarterback. We can't sit out there and, you know, let people survey the field forever and a day. We've got to be able to get out there and play. That's the one concern I have is safety. But, again, the first-team group I think will be solid, and then we'll go from there. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. Many people are looking to buy a home for the very first time. A lot of people are thinking, you know what, Steve, I don't even know how to go about this. What do I do? What do I need? Do I even qualify? That's the best thing about Blair. He can get you pre-qualified. 
for exactly what you're looking for. So you're not wasting your time, your real estate agent's time looking for homes that perhaps you can't afford. And maybe it's a starter home for you, but it's a chance for you to plant some roots somewhere. And maybe in the future, you say, you know what, we're going to expand. But we want to get our life started. Blair can help you get your life started. Whether it's a condo, whether it's a mobile home, whether it's a, uh, a traditional ranch-style house, Blair can help you with that, whether it be new construction or buying an existing home. Uh, Blair Chandler is your one-stop shop. Visit him at closeblair.com or give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344 as I just accidentally tried to uh, FaceTime Blair. So Blair, they'll explain that uh, on, your, on your phone. Uh, but nevertheless, closewithblair.com. Again, 601-500-2344. And uh, you can deal directly with Blair. You don't have to go through a call center or anything like that. Uh, be sure and let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard. Longtime friend of mine, I would not uh, send you to someone that uh, would not take care of you and your needs. And again, that's uh, Blair Chandler at Close with Blair. .com. All right, so we've talked so much about 1998 this week as uh, the new interlocking MSU is, uh, well, I guess the old interlocking MSU is now new again. I'm excited. I bought some merch. Going to buy some more when I get back. But 1998 was an interesting year uh, in music. You've heard me say before, like the late 90s, early 2000s are kind of a weird time in music. I think our list reflects that because you've kind of got some bands that are, you know, from the 80s and before they're kind of hanging on and still producing. I mean, the Rolling Stones had big hits that year. And you've got some new bands that have kind of emerged. And uh, some bands that didn't make my list, uh, Everclear did not make my list. Uh, Green Day didn't make my list. Uh, the New Radicals didn't make my list. It was a weird time of music. It was. And uh, I think a lot of it's because of the fact that uh, things had kind of gotten watered down a little bit. But um, so here's a uh, tip of the cap to Eve Six. I didn't include them, but uh, Eve Six had some hits. My favorite one from them is Promise, but uh, Eve Six is uh, Inside Out, was kind of making the rounds back in 98. But number 10 on our list, the band that really started it for me was Kiss. KISS reunited with the original lineup in the late 90s. It's with Ace and Peter. And, of course, nowadays you've got uh, you know Eric and Tom kind of pretending to be uh, Peter and Ace. I don't know how you feel about that. I'm just happy they're still playing music. And, uh, you know, really the, the band of my youth in many respects, all these years later, still play. Um, but uh, they released a, an album Psycho Circus, the uh, title track from that album, great track. I love it and uh, wanted to include them. And I say welcome to the show, Psycho Circus, number 10. Number nine, there was so much hype around this band even before they made their debut album. And that's because Jacob Dylan, the son of Bob Dylan, fronted the band, The Wallflowers. And many of you know them, of course, from... Uh, one Headlight, which was one of the most overplayed songs of the 90s. But uh, the great song Heroes, great track, great track from them. That's my number nine track. Number eight, 
I was more of a white zombie fan than a Rob Zombie fan. And uh, there are people even to this day that say I look like Rob Zombie. I don't believe that, but um, I guess in some respects, maybe there are some elements. But I like the white zombie stuff better. I do. But we would be remiss if we didn't throw a bone in Rob Zombie's direction for the great track, Dragula. Dragula, number eight on your list. Number seven... And I'll probably get some hate mail for this, and that's okay. I came down on uh, in the great battle between Green Day and Offspring. I went with Offspring. I thought Offspring was a more entertaining band. They didn't take themselves too seriously. Uh, they like to poke fun at themselves. Green Day made themselves a bit of a joke at times too, but thought they were serious. You know my feelings about Green Day. Uh, so Offspring makes our list with one of the silliest songs of my generation, but it's pretty fly for a white guy. It's great, though. It's entertaining. It's, there's value in entertainment. All right, number six, and uh, probably the reason that I have dreads today is our number six artist, who I think in many respects is the coolest guy on the planet. I've never seen him play live but, man, I tell you this, this guy in the 90s had hit after hit after hit after hit. And I don't know that he gets enough respect. It's Lenny Kravitz with the great track, Fly Away. I believe that's off five. I think that's off album five. Love Lenny Kravitz. And uh, I tell you, uh, my first introduction to Lenny Kravitz was on the Mississippi State campus. I had come up when I was in high school uh, for an event, <clears throat> a computer science competition, and uh, had a chance to hang out with my buddy Keith Jones and his roommates. They were really into Lenny Kravitz, of course. Let Love Rule was big at the time. And uh, I've been a fan ever since. It was different than everything else I listened to and liked at the time. But Lenny Kravitz was a bit of a throwback. And there's some authenticity in the Lenny Kravitz experience. Number five, uh, the best thing to ever come from Nirvana was uh, Dave Grohl, who eventually founded the Foo Fighters. And uh, it seems like this song was everywhere. But um, it's Hero, My Hero. There goes My Hero from the Foo Fighters, your number five track. I love the Foo Fighters. Uh, I love them more than a friend. And in the beginning, I was on the fence about them. And I was like, you know what? This guy's really got something. This Dave Grohl guy is not just you know, kind of profiting on the fact that uh, he was part of Nirvana, which is a band that people liked an awful lot. Dave Grohl's a genius. All right, number four, a band that I really love. And, uh, of course, they... Uh, Times Brett Scallions has left the band uh, on hiatus. I saw them at Rocklahoma a few years back. Thanks to my buddy Mark. Thanks, Mark. But it's the band Fuel. You know, they tried to hire Chris Daughtry one time. Were you aware of that? You know, when he was at American Idol and made the pitch to try to get Chris to be the lead singer to replace Brett. Uh, Brett did reunite. Daughtry did his own thing. And, of course, we uh, recognized Chris Daughtry here recently. But it's the great song, Shimmer. Love it. I love everything on those first two albums from Fuel. Incredible. And she had a bad day. It's bittersweet. Bittersweet, maybe my favorite Fuel song. But we're going with Shimmer today, number four. Number three, uh, this gentleman has probably provided as much of my road soundtrack of anybody ever. And it's Kenny Wayne Shepherd. We're going back to the very beginning in many respects. I guess Led Better Heights would be the beginning. But we're going to go with, uh, off the Trouble Is album, we're going with Blue on Black. And it seemed like everybody loved that song from all walks of life. It's kind of blues in its rarest form in many respects. 
And I think Noah is an, a, tr- a tremendous vocalist that doesn't always get uh, his due. The best Kenny Wayne Shepherd tracks for me have Noah singing over the top of them. All right, number two, a song that means an awful lot to me and uh, to our family. Uh, I've shared with you guys before, you know, MTV used to play music, uh, thus MTV music television. I know that nowadays it's uh, basically ridiculousness, the Jersey Shore, and then hair care commercials all day long. And apparently that works for them. Um, They're just, you know, they have absolutely gravitated away from music, yet they continue to do like the video music awards, yet they don't play any videos. I don't get it. We used to spend our whole day watching the videos on MTV. I mean, the engagement was through the roof. We couldn't wait. And then they started dialed MTV where you could call in and request your favorite video. And, and then they would play the most requested videos. Uh, and we loved it. We did. And then somebody somewhere decided, hey, we don't need to do music anymore. I know we're music television, but we don't need to do music anymore. Um, and so they moved away. But in the 90s, they still play. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let Nerd Wallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink. And maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. 
You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. My videos. And it was always, you know, VH1 too. But um, but all that said, when Ani was born, my oldest son, the video that was on at the moment that he was born was lightning crashes from live. It was. Now, of course, that was in the mid-90s. When Audrey was born, uh, of my children, of my girls, she is probably, um, you know, probably the most unique in many respects, to be quite honest with you. Uh, she, she's very much an independent, confident young lady. I'm very, very proud of her. And uh, she and I are very close and uh, love her to death. But when she was born, the song Iris from the Goo Goo Dolls was playing on MTV. And um, if we hadn't already settled on Audrey, we may have, we may have named her Iris. But uh, I love the song, and uh, many of you know the story. Of course, that's from the City of Angels soundtrack, and uh, Johnny and those guys got a chance to screen the movie and then write the song, and it fits perfectly. It's an incredibly beautiful song. And uh, if you don't, I'm not going to give any spoilers if you've never seen the movie, but basically Nicolas Cage is an angel and uh, falls in love with Meg Ryan, who is a mere mortal, and so he tries to find a way to be with her. And he like bargains with God that he's, he will give up forever to touch her. And that's the line in the song too. I'd give up forever to touch you. That's what it's about. It's like, I will, I will give up being an angel just to be with you. And uh, so the premise of the movie is rather interesting. Of course, very far-fetched, but um, interesting nonetheless. And so Iris was a huge part of that. If you watch the video, there's a lot of footage from the movie. Uh, number one, though, because you know we don't like to end on ballads whenever we you know, we can. Metallica made a huge comeback in the 90s. Huge. Absolutely huge. And really kind of introduced themselves to a new generation. It's, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Metallica's just not the same anymore. Nobody's the same anymore. Nobody. As a matter of fact, if your favorite artist is just popping out cookie-cutter tracks all the time, they're not going to be around very long either. But the Metallica track, Fuel, man, it's just one of those ones to me. I think it's the best rock song of 98. So it's number one on our list today. And it's true rock. It is. And there are a lot of Metallica haters out there. And uh, I owe my love of Metallica in many respects to my friend Jason Dawsey. Uh, Jason was very much against like the hair metal movement. Like he, he just didn't like all the image associated with it. And so... He listened to a lot of stuff that was a lot darker. And, and Jason's an interesting guy. Don't get me wrong. Even this day, much very interesting guy. Uh, not at all what you'd expect from a short-haired guy that grew up in South Mississippi. But he was in he was into Megadeth, and he was in the Hallow's Eve. Um, he was into all these bands that um, really never got played on MTV. He really kind of liked the whole grassroots, you know, West Coast movement. You know, kind of what was happening out there. Uh, in Oakland and San Francisco, more so than what was happening in L.A. And uh, I remember sitting in his bedroom and uh, watching Cliff Amal and hearing him talk about Metallica uh, and that they were going to be huge. And uh, I remember seeing those videos thinking, you know what, 
this thrash thing is probably not going to last. And it changed music. That's the thing, too. I go back to so many people are like, well, you know, Steve, I mean, you know, the, the 15 minutes of grunge, I mean, it changed everything. Well, it, it, it really didn't. It really didn't. And a lot of those bands are no longer around. And if they are, they're, they're playing uh, clubs again. And then you've got bands like Metallica and Megadeth that are selling out festivals all over the world. And so I was wrong about thrash. I thought it was going to be a flash in the pan. And I thought grunge would have more staying power. And uh, I was wrong. I was. And uh, it's part of those things about giving the people what they want. And that's the thing about Metallica is like their core fan base is as hardcore as any. Period. And it's not just, hey, well, I downloaded all their music and I bought a T-shirt off Amazon that they didn't profit from. Like their fans... Um, you know, I think about Peyton Plumley's dad. Peyton Plumley's dad has seen Metallica play like multiple countries around the world. And he went like to Scotland or something to, to see him play in a castle. I mean, those people are hardcore. There's an experience there. There, There is a brotherhood and a sisterhood with the Metallica fan base that you don't find a lot of other places. I mean, maybe you could say Iron Maiden. You know, I mean, but there is just one of these things when people show up, they want to sing their favorite songs they want to be part of the show, and they have such reverence for these musicians. And uh, you know, Metallica is just one of these bands, man. I guess they, they were founded in 83. And uh, you look up now, and yes, they've had some craziness at times, but uh, they've survived. And still doing it at a big level. Of course, a new album dropped uh, earlier this year, and uh, mixed reviews about that. But you know, I, I remember uh, the first Metallica album that I actually owned had some cassettes um, that were kind of pirated. You know, we used to have the dual play cassettes where you could record dub one thing to another. But as far as like going into a place of business and buying a Metallica album, and, and you're going to say, but Steve, late to the party. It's true. Is uh, about once a month, that was like when Dana and I were first starting out. But the only way I ever treated myself was, uh, you know, sometimes I wouldn't get the, uh, you know, the food club coffee creamer. You know, we'd, we'd step up and get the real thing. But once a month, I'd buy a CD. Once a month. And then one day, it was time for me to buy my CD. Of course, it was right after payday. Checks had already cleared. And I wanted to go buy a CD. I don't even remember what I wanted to buy. And, and I'm sure it wasn't anything, you know, significant. But Dana says, well, let me pick out the CD this time. And I was I was against it. I was. And she said, I'm going to get the Metallica Black Album. And I was like, no, I don't really want to do this. She goes, no, 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 we're going to get it. We're going to get it. And I got it. And, uh, of course, I knew the hits and uh, knew a few th- songs from here and there. But uh, I had it. And uh, once I got over, you know, her pulling rank on me, I enjoyed that tremendously. And then I went back and bought... Uh, you know, and Justice for All. And then I went back and bought Master of Puppets, which is my favorite Metallica album to this day. Uh, then Ride the Lightning. I went back and bought all the back catalog. And, um, you know, I love when Death Magnetic came out. I mean, me and Ani were both really excited about it because I was like, you know, this is an album for him, you know, for his generation. But uh, I, I dig Metallica. And again, I, I credit Jason Dossie so much for that. But uh, the reality of it is, is that... Uh, when you listen to much of the music today, the modern rock of today, there's a lot more Metallica, Megadeth, 
Anthrax, Slayer in them than there is Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and even Soundgarden. It's just completely different. And uh, everybody's playing harder and in some respects playing faster. Uh, the vocal presentation is much more aggressive than it was, uh, you know, with grunge and, and certainly with, um, you know, this coffee house uh, crap. They tried to push off his rock music in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s in many respects. But just want to pay homage to those guys. Uh, again, huge, 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 huge supporter of Metallica and uh, their fan base for sure. Uh, even though I was a late convert. And so, hope you enjoy the list. If you have ideas for a top 10 list, reach out and let us know. We get something pretty much uh, every day of the show or day after. And a lot of it's stuff we've already done. And, uh, you know, Robbie is kind of, Robbie, uh, Roy is my sounding board a lot of times on this. And I'll say, hey, what do you think? And we've got some other things that um, we're working on as we'll get closer to uh yeah, it's football season, but uh, you know the fact that we can still talk about great stuff. And again, this music's twenty-five years old, you know. And there are a lot of songs that were on that list, like the uh, real quickly. Uh, I'm going to give you like some songs that were on the uh, top 100 rock list that didn't make my list. I just bumped the microphone. Please forgive me. Um, but here is like the this is like from the playback charts from '98. So number four, and this is what we considered rock back then, not me. This is what modern mainstream rock considered rock and roll. Number four, you want to take a stab at this? It was the Bare Naked Ladies One Week. That was the number four most played rock song. It's not rock. It's a pop song. Nothing against those guys. I thank them for their contributions to Big Bang Theory. But Bare Naked Ladies... It's not rock. Number three, One Hit Wonder, and everybody loved it and everybody sang along to it, but it's Fastball's The Way. That was the number three most played rock song in 98. Number two, also not rock, but it's Every Morning from Sugar Ray. It's a pop song. It is. And again, I liked it just like you guys did too. I thought Mark McGrath was uh, interesting. But the number one most played rock song at the time was What It's Like by Everlast. Also, not a rock song, but it was labeled rock. For a while, rock kind of became a catch-all, ter- you know, catch-all, you know, uh, category. But, uh, you know, one of my favorite songs that actually came out prior to 98 that was released, and uh, we'll, we'll throw a ball in their direction, was uh, one from Creed. And I know it's so funny, too. It's like there are some bands out there. It's like if certain members of the band prove to be douchebags, it's like all of a sudden uh, we just paint everybody in the same light. I'll tell you, Mark Tremonti is the best guitarist of this generation. I'll die on that hill. And I think when you go back and listen to Mel in Prison and you listen to one, even back then, you can see he was different. He was cut from a different cloth. And so, while that, I don't technically consider that a 98 song, we'll, uh, we'll praise Mark Tremonti. And I had a chance to meet Mark over in Birmingham. It was tremendous to be able to shake his hand. Uh, the dude is the real deal. And to be able to watch him perform uh, with his uh, side project, Tremonti. Love that debut album, uh, above all, to be quite honest with you. But uh, Mark Tremonti is a guy that... Um, you know, he's the guitar player's guitar player in many respects. He does some things that are 
pretty ridiculous for sure. But uh, again, reach out and let us know if you have ideas for the top 10 list. You can find me on Twitter at ScoutSteveR and Roy, of course, at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. It's okay to push the follow button for Roy, right? Um, he's not going to be like posting pictures of his food and cats and things like that. I mean, or his cats eating food, you know, and Roy walking around like in a house coat or something and slippers. He's not going to do that. Okay, but you can follow him. He'll he'll share some Mississippi State stuff, of course, and uh, certainly uh, share our great list. And you can find those on Spotify under that same handle, Dogmatic67. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. I was in there this week. The selection is great as ever. Uh, if you're looking for your interlocking MSU merch, you can find it at Campus Bookmark. That's always the case, right? They're always on the cutting edge of this stuff. Miss Kathy Brown does a tremendous job uh, buying merch for a wonderful fan base. It wants to outfit their family in the latest in maroon and white merch. You can do that in person at Campus Bookmark, or you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, and uh, order until your heart's content. I know many people have been waiting for payday and said, Steve, i gotta got to get my gear. Well, Campus Bookmark's going to save you some money and uh, have a tremendous selection for you. And uh, speaking of saving you some money, by being a Loyal Boneyard listener, you have a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Mom, we're running out of time. I'm just telling you now, we're running out of time. You need to get to work on this. It shouldn't all be your responsibility, but unfortunately, some things in life fall at your feet, and this is one of them. Uh, everybody wants new merchandise when they make that trip to Davis Wade Stadium, and rather than having to deal with it on game day, why don't you go ahead and surprise them now? And that way, it'll save you some time and effort and having to fight those crowds uh, on game day. You can just go ahead and begin your game day festivities and everybody decked out in new Mississippi State merch. Again, it's campusbookmark.net, promo code BSR, and you know what it stands for. Beautiful Steve Robertson. All right, let's take a quick look at Vanderbilt. We won't play them this year unless we both get to Atlanta, which some people projected, which is completely crazy. And again, it just speaks again to the uh, yeah, the ridiculous nature of these uh, preseason polls. And it's like the thing, too. I mean, you know, you got like 200 Alabama bloggers out there, and they all request credentials and that kind of stuff. I, you know, I don't know. I was once a guy that's trying to make it too, so I won't be too hard on all that stuff. But I just think I think we're better off maybe picking like sixty people that are longtime members of this credentialed media group and let all of us vote. That's my opinion. He said, "But Steve, how do we make it fair?" Well, here's what here's one thing that's not fair right now is the fact that, uh, like at the University of Alabama, and again, that's not in any way to, to be critical of Alabama. You just have more coverage. You got more websites. You got more you know, radio personalities. You got a lot of people over there that uh, cover the tide. Same thing in, in Louisiana at LSU. And so, but let's, rather than just give everybody a vote, that anybody that registers, let's just say, okay, listen, we're going to have, okay, these five individuals or six individuals, whatever, that cover these teams on a daily basis that are actually credentialed, those people are going to vote. And what it, 14? And so you begin to do the math on that. Okay, so 
you put that number together and maybe you, you grandfather a few people in, maybe some old coaches or whatever, and uh, you have the true SEC voting instead of this because it's all done anonymously. And it's like if you pick all these guys and let everybody vote and it's an equal number for each team within the league, I mean, there's probably not five people that, that vote for Vanderbilt, right? But there's enough people in the Tennessee media, I'm sure the national media, they, we could figure that out. Instead of having people that just show up, some guy runs, uh, you know, roll tide roll dot net or whatever, and then uh, he's in there voting Vanderbilt to win the SEC just to, because of the whole thing has become a fraud. The SEC has got to take control of this thing. I mean, you say, Steve, it's just a list. It is just a list. But if you're going to release this on behalf of the SEC media, there needs to be some type of credibility with all this. And the list, in many respects, has lost uh, its luster. All right, looking at Vanderbilt last year, I picked Hawaii to beat Vanderbilt. And boy, was I wrong there. Mike Wright and those guys destroyed Hawaii 63-10. to 10. And I remember people told me then, you know, Steve, Hawaii may be the worst team in Division I football. Well, they looked like it that day. The next week, Elon, tougher than expected, but Vandy finds a way to win and uh, opens up with a two-game winning streak. And you start looking at this and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe. They were going to host Wake Forest, and some people thought they had a chance with Wake. They didn't. Wake gets them 45-25. So you drop a 2-1, and one, but you bounce back and get Northern Illinois the next week. So now you have navigated through your non-conference schedule, your 3-1. and one. And people are like, man, if they can just find three wins, they can get Bo eligible. And people like myself said, it's not going to happen. It didn't happen, but it, it almost did. It's pretty crazy. And again, give Clark Lee and his staff some real credit last year uh, for piecing this thing together. Uh, against Alabama, it was the you know in Tuscaloosa. Come on, fifty-five-three. Uh, sadly, the uh, the reunion breast cancer awareness Vanderbilt employee appreciation game, the rivalry game with Ole Miss, went the way of the Vandy of the West. Is uh, Ole Miss wins fifty-two to twenty-eight. Would like for that game to be a lot more competitive, but it wasn't. And then you lose to Georgia 55 nothing. So three consecutive weeks here, after going 3-1, and one, they give up 50-plus points. And then they go to Missouri, a game they probably should have won. But they didn't. They lose it 17-14. Then they lose to South Carolina, 38-27. Competitive game, but it's like, okay, well, this is the Vandy we know and love, right? They've lost five games in a row. And then they go to Lexington, Kentucky. And things got crazy. They go to Lexington, Kentucky, and they win 24-21. And you say, well, you know, Steve, you're right, though. Kentucky's just kind of a middle-of-the-road team, even though they're a media darling for no for no reason whatsoever. Um, so maybe, you know, Vandy was better than we thought, and Kentucky was worse than we thought. Okay. Things happen. The next week, Mike Wright and, and Vandy beats Florida 31-24. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? I didn't. And they win that ball game. Now, all of a sudden, you start thinking, well, wait a minute now. Man, if they have a chance here, you know, it's senior day at home with a chance to play for a bowl bid. 
And to go six and six, I mean, five and seven is already a, a successful year by Vandy standards, especially considering that uh, that's a stretch there where they couldn't even – they couldn't score points, you know, and they couldn't stop anybody. So Tennessee, you're thinking, man, Tennessee may have a bit of a hangover, of course. Tennessee drops a the game. They shouldn't. And now Tennessee uh, not going to be in the playoff. Maybe Vandy gets them flat. And Tennessee beat them 56 to nothing. So they end the year with a 5-7 and seven record. And, again, you look back at that Missouri game. I mean, that's the difference in going to ball game or not. I mean, we're talking one play. One play that kept Vanderbilt out of the bowl picture last year. So what's reasonable for Vanderbilt? You know, I think one thing you got to look at, number one, we have to agree they're getting better. Now, the talent differential between them and the rest of the league is still very extensive. But you look – to, able to be able to beat Florida, uh, who was traditionally one of the top recruited teams in, in the conference, even though Dan Mullen, of course, took a flyer a couple classes. But uh, nobody would say, hey, Vanderbilt's a more talented team than Florida. I don't know that you could say Vanderbilt's a more talented team than Kentucky. But they found a way to get those wins. And so that's the thing I'm sure Vanderbilt people are thinking, you know what, if we can just get a little talent, maybe we can start recruiting on the level we did under James Franklin – we can get back in the ball games. I mean, it was a time people forget. I guess it maybe it was when James got there. I don't remember all the – there was a time that Vanderbilt went from like 1982 for like decades without winning a bowl game. And um, and so they want to get back to that. I mean, obviously you've been there. It's a very, 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 very benign atmosphere there. Uh, but Clark Lee is one of their own, so he understands – you know, the Vanderbilt experience and understands how to sell Vanderbilt. Uh, and I think the main thing with Vandy and Barton and those guys, you just got to get your evaluation tried. You've got to get your evaluation tried. Of course, uh, you know, leading rusher Ray Davis has left and um, will be within the conference too. But Mike Wright is gone. Uh, now A.J. Swan, it's his job full-time, you know, Um you know, we'll see. And they've got some guys at receiver. Of course, Will Shepard's a dude. You know, we'll see how things go. But uh, defensively, and you would think with Clark Lee being a defensive-minded coach, they'll figure some things out defensively. But we'll see. I just don't think this is a team this capable of taking the next step this year. I just don't know if they have the talent. And I think losing Mike Wright's big. I, I really do. I think it's one of those things you look at – when things broke down and they needed somebody to make a play, Mike Wright made it for him. And now Mike, of course, is at Mississippi State. So we'll see how things progress in that respect. But, you know, A.J. Swan should be a good guy for them. And, of course, they were trying to invest in their future. Um, Big-time arm, for sure. And they have some guys that can stretch the field. Can they protect? You know, we'll see. I think the reality of this thing is I think you know, Vanderbilt has got to play better defense to avoid getting into these you know, track meets because they're not going to be able to keep up. But um, you know, Cedric Alexander is a guy obviously they're going to expect a lot from, uh, newcomer at running back there. But they're going to have to do a better job of uh, running the football with some sense of purpose, and I think it's going to be made more difficult without Mike Wright. And, and the, the, one of the things, too, like one of the stats that I saw in the research is the, 
they talk a lot about you know their pass protection not allowing a lot of sacks. Well, a lot of that's got to do with Mike Wright, right? And when you've got one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the country, uh, he should be able to get you out of that. But uh, you know they were very disciplined on the offensive line last year and uh, returned some pieces. We'll see how things go. But uh, defensively, uh, secondary was absolutely atrocious last year. Absolutely atrocious. Uh, and we'll see. You know, we'll see how these, these things go. But um, I just don't know if they're going to have the talent and the depth. That's really the issue if you're Vanderbilt. Is it becomes a war in a season of attrition. And you just don't have the bodies, of course, to kind of eat up the casualties. And I hate to say it that way, but you understand what I mean. There was some guys over the course was easy to get beat up, and I need a guy that can step in. The gap between the first and second team at Vanderbilt might be the greatest of any in the conference. You're already struggling to get talent, and it's even more difficult when you can't, you know, offer early playing time. But, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, I think this is a group It's going to be much like last year. If they can keep games manageable, if you can keep games – you know, in the 20s, you got a chance. You have a chance. We'll see. And I've said that like 10 times now. We'll see. Of course we're going to see, Steve. Um, but looking at this year's schedule for them, you know, for them it's always so important to win all your non-conference games. It's so important for Vanderbilt. And it is for you know Mississippi State and Arkansas and, and Ole Miss too. Uh, you know, we need to be able to pocket those four wins, but it, it probably means more at Vanderbilt than anywhere just because of the, you know, lack of overall talent. So they're going to open up at home against Hawaii, and uh, you know the kids in Hawaii are probably excited to go to Nashville. I would be. And so you got to feel like, again, I'm not going to make that mistake this year. I'm going to pick Vanty at home. Um, and then they get Alabama A&M. So you're 2-0 out of the shoot. you got to go to Vanderbilt. That's probably a loss. Then you go to UNLV. I don't know. But I think, you know, if I had to call it today, I think they're probably in trouble there. Going to Vegas. Yeah, we'll call it, we'll call it a loss on the road. But 2-2, uh, two two, best case scenario, you're 3-1 coming out of the, the uh, four non-conference games. And the thing about that, too, by scheduling the way they do – you never get that non-conference week later in the season when you need to rest some guys. So I think scheduling-wise, it's probably not a great thing. I think you, I think you kind of shoot your wide the first four weeks of the season, and you're just hoping to pick up two along the way. Uh, they will host Kentucky. I don't think it's going to be a great Kentucky team. I say that every year, um, but that's a game to watch for sure. You get Missouri and Nashville too. So now all of a sudden you start thinking here, you know. Can you get a split? Yeah, maybe. But, you know, you probably need to win them both. And uh, I don't think they will. I'm, not, I'm eager to see what Missouri looks like this year. They're not going to challenge for the East, but I think they're a team that could wreck somebody's season. Um, then you got to go to Florida, and then you host Georgia. I got both of those as losses. I just don't think Bandy can go into the swamp to win. Uh, they go to Ole Miss, and, you know, when these two teams get together, you just throw the record books out. Uh, you know, one of the better rivalries in the history of college football between Bandy and Ole Miss. Um, and really, it's a battle of trophy cases, right? I mean, let's just be honest about that. I mean, it's like, you know, you got one team with the big ego and the meager trophy case, and then you've got the team that just fills the team because they have to and they have the meager trophy case. And so in many respects, a lot of similarities between 
uh, Vanderbilt at Ole Miss. But uh, that game's in Oxford, and it uh, looks like it's going to be you know, the ending of an era, you know, this Ole Miss-Vanderbilt rivalry. I mean, it's not on, a, on the level of Texas and Texas A&M. You know, it's not at that level. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really sad in many respects. It's, it's bad for the game of college football. And the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, Ole Miss got the biggest bone ever when we split divisions back in, uh, in 92, if memory serves me correct. And their permanent opponent was Vanderbilt. It's a joke. And they still couldn't take advantage of it some years. All right, then you get Auburn and Nashville. And you're at South Carolina and you're at Tennessee. This is a brutal schedule, guys. I mean, and, and not just because it's Vanderbilt, but because of the fact that you know you're going to need basically in order for Vandy to um, to get to a ball game this year. In my estimation, I think they got to go undefeated in a non-conference and then knock off Kentucky and Missouri. I don't see them winning in the swamp. They're not going to beat Georgia. I don't think they're going to win at Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss's running game is just going to be too much for them. Um, Auburn and Nashville, maybe, you know, depending on the health of that team. If Robbie Ashford ends up being as good as uh, they expect, Auburn could surprise a little bit. Uh, and then at South Carolina and at Tennessee. So there are there's not a game in the Southeastern Conference I think you look at and say, hey, I would favor Vandy unless it's Vandy-Missouri. So I, I think in the end this is probably like a 3-9, and 4-8 and eight type year. And uh, you hate it for Clark Lee. I mean, obviously he's a guy that loves Vanderbilt and uh, is there doing the best he can. And, and uh, they're going to work hard for sure. It's, there's just not a break in the schedule. This year, and again, I think maybe scheduling all four non-conference games the first four of the year uh, probably not the way to go about it. Uh, and again, you know, opinions vary on that. You can say, you know what, Steve, we're trying to build confidence, right? And before we get into conference play, and all of a sudden you you pick up three or four wins. Well, I, I agree with that. The Power Five mandate suggests they have to go out and get Wake Forest, and you know, Wake smacked them around pretty good last year. Uh, so I, I, I expect that this year. And then it's this ULV thing. I mean, it's like, let's be honest about this. Is there an FBS team right now that you would favor Vandy going to their place and winning? I mean, and again, I, I say that with all due respect. But there's not a team, especially you've got to go across the country. And as a, hey, we're going to go to Vegas, it'll be great. I think it's a distraction. I really do. So I think Vanderbilt's uh, looking for a tough year. I don't think Clark Lee is in any danger by any stretch of imagination. But, you know, just like last year, you know, we were expecting them to be terrible last year, and they nearly made a bowl game. Again, one play away from making a bowl game. And they surprised us by beating Kentucky and Florida. And how much fun was that? And then, of course, the guy that was kind of the linchpin in the whole thing is now at Mississippi State. It's a bit of a package quarterback for us. And, again, I've said it more than once. If Mike Wright has to start a game for Mississippi State, depending on who the opponent is, I expect to win the game. I really do. Mike Wright is capable of running this scheme. Uh, you know, Accuracy-wise, he's not on the same level as Will. But uh, the flip side of it is, is uh, Mike's the better runner than Will. And everybody sees it. But uh, I think they'll complement each other really well. Eager to see how Kevin Barbet utilizes Mike Wright, as many of you are uh, as well. So that's our preview of Vanderbilt. Now, 
Next week, we'll be back, and uh, we'll be on schedule. I'm going to travel. Uh, I, don't, I think I'm traveling again until uh, the week of the South Carolina game. But uh, So we'll have the wife back home next week and uh, in the next couple weeks. But uh, So we'll have a regular schedule. At least that's a plan anyway. And uh, things come up, I'll, I'll change it. And I thought this week's schedule was going to change. Ended up being on schedule after all. Uh, but so we're going to finish up here and uh, head back to Starkville. And next week, you know, we'll be kind of getting things together uh, for this mock week. And, um, you know, we'll take some time to uh, preview our non-conference opponents. That'll get you through Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then next week, you know, the, I mean, the following week, excuse me, um, we'll be previewing Southeastern. I mean, it's August the 18th. We're going to play football September the 2nd. So when we get through next week, breaking down, you know, what you're going to get from Southeastern uh, will come on game week. But everything else, Western Michigan, uh, Arizona, that's all going to happen next week. And, again, uh, a lot less availability as far as viewing practice. So we won't have our depth chart and won't have uh, snap uh, scrimmage uh, snapshots for you. But we will have the opportunity to interview coaches and players again. So we'll again, have full coverage for you over at Gene's page. And we make most of our team coverage free unless it's like a one-on-one uh, interview or an exclusive interview, like when I visited with Justin Parker a couple days ago uh, about the pitching lab. Well, that's going to be for our VIP subscribers only. But most of our team coverage we do make free, so you don't have to be a member of Gene's page to view that. Uh, and the reality of it is we want you to be. But uh, you know, there's only so much room in the paper, even though they do some things online. Uh, we're going to have more stories, more content than anybody else. And go by and be sure uh, and check that out. Uh, reminder to Mississippi State baseball practice began earlier this week. We will be covering the scrimmages. And uh, we'll get as much as we can. But uh, I think, again, there's a lot of baseball fatigue right now. Uh, so we're not going to be, you know, it's not going to be a three-story day. Right? There have been times in our past where we'd have like, well, we'd have all these velos, we'd have the game recap, we'd have all these statistics and uh, you know, we're not going to have that. And uh, it, it's not that we don't care. It's just that you know we're going to skew most of our coverage more towards football right now because there's a lot of expectations about football. And the truth of the matter is, as much as I enjoy reporting on baseball, I just think this just it's kind of a niche sport this time of year. I think there are a lot of people like, you know what, Steve, listen, I'm going to worry about baseball in February, uh, so I'm not going to read a lot of that stuff. And so there's no need for us to commit you know, three or four stories a week uh, to baseball right now. And, again, that's not being critical of anybody. I mean, it's just, hey, the exuberance around football right now is palpable. I think we all see that. I think a lot of people are really excited about football, and they're just ready to get onto that because they think this could be a special year. Uh, You know my thoughts about that. I think that we're going to be as good or better than we were last year. And uh, I'm eager to see what Kevin Barbe does. I'm really interested and what's, uh, you know, talking to some people, when all this stuff happened, you know, we decided to retool the offense. The thing that people got back to me is said, you know what, Zach wants to run the football more. We ran the football some out of the air raid, and, and we've discussed those numbers before on the show. They're five and one, you know, when we run the football, I think, 24 times or more last year. And it gives a break for your defense, allows the defense to play fresher. I mean, how many games last year did our defense wear down in the fourth quarter? And a lot of that's because we couldn't sustain anything offensively. I mean, they go over there and get on the sidelines and get their helmet off and grab them a, you know, a cup of Gatorade. Next thing you know, they're right, they're right back out there. You know? And so in order to keep those guys fresh, and in some respects kind of shorten the game, uh, having an, a ball control offense 
that eats up clock the way that Barbet's appears to is significant. And I remind you, too, a show we did here a few weeks back, year one at Appalachian State. They got better at every offensive category, every single one. Third downs, rushing, passing, completion percentage, everything got better. And so like a lot of people are like, well, you know, Steve, it's the first year new offense. That's true. It's true. But at the same time, too, this is a guy that's proven to show up somewhere and improve the situation that he inherits. And I think it's a good uh, match. And uh, talking to Barbe and to Matt Brock and to Zach Arnett, Zach is going to kind of have the vision for our program, but he's not going to be sneaking in there to the offensive meetings and telling Barbe, hey, let's do this, let's do that. He's given those guys the autonomy to be the coaches they want to be, which is one of the reasons they came here in the first place. The autonomy to do things their way. And I still believe Matt Brock is going to be a head coach for somebody at some point. And I think that uh, what we're going to see probably over the course of the next couple of seasons is Matt Brock be a guy that kind of elevates his status as a potential coaching candidate. And I think he'll have uh, both Mike Leach and Zach Arnett to thank for that. But if you saw what happened last year uh, in that Rockwest Bowl with uh, Matt Brock calling the plays, uh, we had a season high in sacks. And while Arnett was the guy signaling it all in, uh, he gave Brock the keys to the car, and uh, we had one of our best defensive performances of the year. So there will be a lot of that this year. Will there be some growing pains? Absolutely. There absolutely will be. Uh, but, again, I err on the side of caution here. I think if, if, if we weren't talking about our own team – Let's say, for an example, let's say we were talking about, I don't know, Florida. You say, you know what, hey, Florida has the most experienced roster in the Southeastern Conference. You'd say, well, you know what, probably a pretty good year for them. You say, hey, they're going to have eight home games. Well, maybe a great year for them. You say, you know what, and all four of their road games of the SEC are toss-up games at worst. You say, you know what, Florida might be in the playoff. Right? Now, we don't have those same type of expectations. But what happens is familiarity breeds contempt. Right? So we, it's like we're so scared to believe at times. It's like, well, I know this. I know that guy, whatever. But if you look at it on paper and say, you know what? If you had like the blind resume deal, you'd say this team here is going to be really good. But because sometimes we're so afraid to get hurt, right? And we don't want our friends talking trash. You don't want your friends calling you Rose Bowl, right? That's part of the deal. Sports is supposed to be fun. It's okay to get excited about sports. It's not our life, I and mean, we're going to continue to be able to pay the mortgage, right? Yeah. These coaches are coaching for their lives and their families and their ability to pay their own bills. And so the reality of that is, is they're more invested in this than we are. And I'm glad they don't share the sentiment of many of our fans and the pundits around the country. I, I get the sense this staff is really confident. Uh, still some things you got to figure out, and you got two more weeks to do it. And you kind of have, uh, you know, even though the game counts in the standings, that FCS game is a game that, uh, you know, we should win handily. But the reality of it is it's the first step up the mountain. And then we'll see. And I think there's going to be some big moments this year that we're going to remember for a long time. If you hadn't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com and you can pre-order the brand new book, When the Bottom Falls. Of course, it's uh, basically my memoirs, you know, basically about uh, my life and uh, – how I ended up and became a drug addict, how I overcame that, and how I live life clean and sober today. Uh, you can read that. And if you're a person that's in recovery, I would encourage you to do that. 
If you know somebody in recovery or perhaps somebody in active addiction, I would encourage you to buy that book. If you know somebody that perhaps has a loved one, that they're just kind of having to navigate through this and don't have a good understanding of what's happening, I'd encourage you to buy them that book. Uh, Buy one for yourself too. Matter of fact, buy four or five of them uh, and pass them out as gifts. Uh, In addition to that, of course, all my sports books can be found there. That's Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, Flim Flam, and Dogpile. Plenty of Dogpile and Flim Flam. Uh, dwindling quantities of villains. Of course, we were able to get some, uh, some a uh, couple cases of Stark villains here recently after we had exhausted its supply in the warehouse. We had a, a bookstore that ha- actually had some, and uh, we're able to get those books back. And so they're now available for purchase online, uh, and you can get them signed or personalized however you like. Uh, in addition to that, uh, if you're looking for Stark villains gear, and you should be, you can find it at StarkVillains.com. Always fires me up when I see people wearing those Stark Villain shirts. Pretty amazing stuff. Uh, and as always, you know, if you are not a member of Gene's Page, we encourage you to be one. Uh, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Uh, it's an exciting time for us. And uh, got some, some big announcements coming up here uh, in the weeks to come uh, that in many respects are going to make us an even better, better media entity. And so I share that with you because I just want you to be aware we're not always just kind of float along going with the flow. We're always looking for a chance to get better. All right, that's going to do it for today. A little bit shorter show today, but you had a longer show on Wednesday. And we'll wrap up our operations here in Knoxville and talk to you back on Monday. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.